the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good morning, my dear friends, to all our dear audience on KNUS 710 AM or via podcast. I welcome all of you. This morning, we shall interact first by waking up, praising God. If you're married, give a good and warm, safe greeting to your wife or to your husband. Give a good, warm morning hug or welcome with a special social distancing safety, of course, to your children and to all those who you live with. Do me a favor. It's okay to turn on your radio at 6 a.m. on Sunday morning. Next, of course, let us warm up the day by being nice to each other and by being nice to the Lord. This is Father Andre, and good holy Sunday morning with God. Good Sunday morning, my dear brothers and sisters. Let us um, begin with a beautiful prayer as we wake up this morning with the Bereshit. Remember the Bereshit, the very first word in the Holy Bible, in the beginning. And in the beginning, let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Lord Jesus Christ, in this uh, great holy season of resurrection that we celebrate every year, you graciously granted us salvation. You graciously defeated death by death. You graciously allow your people to be freed from captivity, plague, and hunger. You overcame the sting of death and opened the kingdom of heaven to all believers. You are seated at God's right hand in glory. We believe that you will come and be our judge. Come then, Lord, and help your people, but with the price of your own blood, and bring us with your saints to glory everlasting. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Last Sunday, we had the great honor and pleasure to receive with us uh, a special guest, uh, Catholic author, freelancer Charles Colomb. And um, he was telling us about the story, how he got uh, locked basically somewhere in Bucharest, and he ended up uh, meeting with Pope John Paul II. Um, And then, um, you know, he's a great author, he's a great uh, freelancer, and he has worked um, in in, in a very professional way Um, on mixed range of interests, Catholicism, comparative religions, literature, cinema, folklore, mythology, monarchy, um, and wildlife conservation, historical preservation, and uh, definitely he is a man of faith, family, freedom, and he's a man who cares for nation, for God, and for all people of goodwill. I have the honor to greet him for one more time and receive him as my special guest on this uh, um, episode. Catholic author, freelancer, Charles Colomb, good holy Sunday morning to you. Thank you, Father, and to you as well. 
Um, don't trap me this time. Last time the conversation with you went so well and you spoke and it went so quickly. I want to make sure I benefit from the time with you. So I'm going to ask you that, that big question as a royalist, as a royalist. You know, I always pray for families of faith. I always pray for families. Every family for me is royal, Charles, every family. But really, yeah. last time we spoke about uh, Lady Diana and a little bit uh, you mentioned uh, upon her death, you were invited to a mass. And it happened that Michael Jackson, also a famous U.S. star that many people love and cherish, who also died, was there. You ended up meeting him. Um, you know, today the world is worried also. I mean, royalists and people who are interested in the royal family are interested in a relationship between Harry and William. Um, from from the British royal family, and I know you are a knight also uh, in Great Britain as well. Um, how can we pray for these brothers as as just brothers? Forget about the context of a royal family. Those two brothers obviously and their wives are suffering a lot. How can we pray for them? Well, the thing the thing to, the thing to bear in mind, of course, is that. Uh, for a, for a Christian royal, particularly for a Catholic royal, uh, they have the positions they have, ideally, for the sake of their people. And, you know, I've written a book about Blessed Emperor Carl of Austria, uh, who he and his wife Zita, a servant of God, epitomized what a royal should be. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, as is usually the case with all of us, uh, you can look at the best examples, and then you see how we ourselves don't necessarily measure up. So when you're praying for the members of a, uh, a given family, uh, you pray first and foremost that they be what a family should be. And then, presuming that whatever it is they are, whether they be kings, commoners, uh, butchers, bakers, or candlestick makers, that they be the very best at it they can be. Correct. Because we're all of us interconnected, you say. Um, this is one of the, the great illusions of uh, what government has become in recent decades. Uh, society is not supposed to be a bunch of sharks, uh, each of them trying to eat each other as much as they can. I love we that. Are also, all of us, yeah, we all of us are in our particular roles, our particular places part of a greater and, we hope, better whole. So we have to pray that all of us play our particular part to the best of our ability. Amen to that. And I want to I wanna thank you, and I want to send a prayer to uh, both princes and their respective wives, to Harry and to William, and to all their family, actually, and all those who care about this huge British heritage. And we have similar heritage in the U.S., in Lebanon, in all over the world. Family by itself is a kingly unit. Do you agree on that, Charles? The family by itself. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I, in fact, when you mention the, uh, when you mention the family unit, one of, the, uh, one of the things that's important to remember is that there are, you might say, three male roles, three particularly male roles, priest, king, and father. Correct, or prophet, you're right. And, yeah, but each of these three partake of the other two. So the, a priest, for instance, there's a certain element of fatherhood, obviously, because you're supposed to be father of your people and so on. But there's an element of kingship that particularly comes out in things like the uh, the penances you direct the penitent to have in the confessional. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and obviously, if you're a uh, if you're a pastor or something, you are in a sense the king of your parish. Uh, contrary wise, the king has a uh, a fatherly role. He's supposed to be the father of his people, ready to sacrifice himself for them if need be. And that's the meaning But, of kingship: to sacrifice yourself in serving others. Actually, exactly right. And then the the priestly role is sort of symbolized by the coronation. Uh, you're supposed to be, the, as it were, the first layman, the defender of the church, and so on. Well, then similarly, the father has a kingly role. He's the head of the family, the head of the house, but also a priestly role. He should bless his children, he yes. should lead the family in grace, and he should ensure that his children are educated as Catholics. What an education, That, Charles, to, to, to lay the foundation of what God created on earth. He made us all free, basically, by creating a unit of the family in which the family incorporates the kingly ministry, the priestly presence, and definitely the um, what you called it, the fatherly or the prophetic, I call it, meaning um, the father who provides and the, the, the prophet who educates and who warns and who teaches and who guides, basically, providing that we keeps us in relationship with God. Christianity is a family, right? Christianity is a spiritual family um, uh, of the saints, basically. It's the mystical body of Christ. And in our topic, we've been talking about the persecution um, on Christianity. Isn't this persecution will affect the family system in the whole world if Christianity continues to be persecuted? It, it attacks the family system, and it attacks also... The thing that's important to bear in mind is that by virtue of our baptism, we have one king, Christ, one queen, Mary, and we are one people. Um, in fact, it's interesting that uh, this was actually made law in the Roman Empire. In 375 A.D. or 380, the uh, Edict of Thessalonica, Emperor Theodosius the Great, made baptism not only entrance into the church, but into Roman citizenship. And so... Uh, we, as Catholics, belong to one people with every other. And so the, we have always, I've, I've always written about this and spoken about this in different venues. Any assault on any of us should be seen as an assault on all of us. On all of us. So the same way that if American citizens were attacked overseas, we would be rightly annoyed and upset. We should feel the same way when Christians are attacked overseas. Thank you. Thank you, Charles. This is great. It's a solidarity because at the end, um, uh, it's evil attacking all the people of goodwill. It's evil attacking the will of God for us to be basically living in peace, right? God wants us to be in peace, in harmony, in accord. I know we, we, I have to ask you um, again to, to bring back um, the audience uh, to our show. This is Good Sunday Morning with Father Andre, and I am uh, conversing with our special uh, guest, Catholic author, freelancer, Charles Colomb. Um, and he's uh, actually calling from Austria, believe it or not, from Trimo, uh, from Austria, uh, with us on the phone. And I'm going to ask you, Charles, about... Um, in the context of the hundred years that has been now savage hundred years, basically, and more since 1914 till today, uh, the decadence of culture, of family, of inside the church, um, the persecution. And I want to ask you a prophetic uh, sign. Do you see in a context yet to come with the coronavirus, with the world situation, Is peace still possible, or we're coming to a third chapter 
of World War? Well, of course, on the one hand, peace is always, in a sense, possible if uh, enough of mankind will repent and do what we ought to do. But if we don't, things will get worse. Um, that's some ways, somehow. Uh, you know, people have asked me if I think that the coronavirus and all that is a curse from God. Well, I don't know that it's a curse, but it certainly isn't a blessing in reward for our faithfulness. I mean, you could hardly say that we were faithful, and you could hardly say the corona is a blessing. Yes, um, I understand. It, one of the things that it has done is shown everything up for the way it really is. In other words, we see now what our authorities are like. I have a little joke, which is when they had us put on our masks, they took theirs off. And wow, when they had true. all of us put the mask on, they took theirs off. They took theirs off. And, uh, you, you know, I, I don't mean to say they're all evil, terrible people, but they're obviously not nearly as bright as they're pretended to be. They don't really quite know what they're doing. It's Some affecting medicine, it's affecting faith, it's affecting religion, economy, it's affecting the world. It is a type of an attack, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you live in a country or a county or a state or a city where the churches were closed, but the abortion mills were kept open, that tells you all you need to know about the people you live under. Wow. Murdering infants was, was an essential need, but the worship of God was not. Okay, I understand. Thank you very much for telling me. That's how you are. I get it. I, but Charles, I, I want to bring on the phone our common friend, Susan Fox, for a few minutes to give us some updates on um, basically awareness about where is this persecution running now. It looks like a tsunami wave. Sometimes it, it's like a volcano. It erupts suddenly. Uh, it seems she has some updates about um, what's happening in Mozambique, for instance, and we continue to see what's happening in Lebanon. And after that, I want to ask you and a few closing questions. Um, can Europe, can United States, and can the Catholic Church be partners in making peace? Again, think about that. Can Europe, can United States, and can the Catholic Church be the front, the shield for peace in the world to save humanity? Or they have been infiltrated, unfortunately. I want you to think about that question. And meanwhile, may I greet Susan Fox. Susan, good holy morning to you. God bless you, Father. Christ is risen. Christ is truly risen indeed. In a very quick minutes, would you please give us some updates about the awareness? This is uh, the mission of Hope and Mercy, um, a special friend uh, um, to help us uh, give you updates on the persecution, what is going on as issues. And I know you have some updates about situation in Mozambique and in Lebanon because you're helping us in our campaign, Feed a Family, Save a Nation, that the mission of Hope and Mercy has started during Lent and we continue to do. Go ahead, Susan. Okay. In, in Lebanon, I'll go there first. Um, they basically, the food inflation is up 400%. The currency has lost 90% of its value. This means when the people go to the store. Susan, you're cutting out a little bit. That means the price of the food has gone four the, times, right? Four times up. There was a man um, in Lebanon who um, has disabled children. He was trying, the, the story over and over again, his father's trying to feed their children and they can't. In Lebanon, half the people are in poverty. There isn't, they used to eat meat before the economic collapse, which happened roughly August 2020. And um, they now they can't even afford bread. Uh, there's no meat once a week. There's just bread. And 
One man said he couldn't afford diapers for his baby. Um, but this man who had disabled children, he was walking on the street. He found a potato sandwich that was partially eaten laying on the street. He picked it up and he took it home. And that was a d dinner for the family that that night. He and he's thinking about illegally smuggling himself and his family into Europe, oh uh, which is happening a lot. As you had told me, the three sisters uh, were trying to do that. And they For those who are listening it. to us, please, please, we urge you, continue supporting our campaign at the Mission of Hope and Mercy, Feed the Family, Save a Nation. And you can visit our website, which will be given at the end of the show, missionofhopeandmercy.org. And we have with us Susan Fox giving us uh, some updates on the situation in Lebanon. And you know, Susan, we're running to a 300 babies now. We are trying to support to bring them milk and formula because there is no milk in the country. And I wanted to ask you yeah. also about Mozambique. What is happening in Mozambique? It seems there is something, okay. again, there no, is a rise. The people have, 700,000 people have been displaced since 2017. And, um, the, it's the Islamic State, again, the same thing that hit Iraq in 2014. They are uh, moving in, beheading people, uh, forcing people out of their homes, uh, killing a number of people. And um, as a result, you've got 700,000 people without a home, uh, food and clean water, 950,000 are food insecure. Um, one woman washed her oldest boy, 12 years old, beheaded because she had to hide in the bushes uh, because of the, um, uh, she had three younger children she had to protect and she wasn't able to say goodbye or anything. She was inconsolable. Uh, but anyway, so the Islamic State is attempting to gain uh, another Islamic Republic caliphate. They want a caliphate in Mozambique. So that risk is not gone yet. Huh? That risk is still is geopolitical no, risk no, and the terrorism. Not. This no. revives the whole terrorism, killing in the name of God and, uh, you know, yeah. using evil in the name of God. Susan, may I thank you just to go back to our guest? Because this is, this is a hardcore yeah, question. Fine. I wanted to ask Charles about this. Charles, when will the Catholic Church, the Christianity in general, um, religion, even Islam has a responsibility towards that, right? Um, United States and, and Europe, can they, are they able, are they willing to stand up as a shield to protect life and religious freedom and the freedom of conscience? What do you think, Charles? Well, uh, in terms of the current leadership, probably not. Uh, That's discouraging. But- well, not really, not really, because uh, if you look at a little longer term, I mean, the center of everything is always the church. That's the first thing one has to bear in mind. There is a sense in which Vatican II's declaration that the church is the soul of the world is true. There's a sense in which that's very true. And that sense is that when the church is healthy, uh, the world as a whole tends to be in better shape. And when it's not, everything withers. So... Uh, and the church is not healthy. What, I want to give you the opportunity. You told me, Father Andre, that the world today is between almost Catholic orthodoxy and modernism, right? Which makes the church a little it, bit in an unhealthy situation. It does, but the, the good part, the good side of it, is that there's a not simply a doctrinal difference, but also a uh, an age difference. Because the modernists tend to be the elderly. Mm-hmm and the more orthodox tend to be younger. So, you know, in, in the end, uh, despite the best efforts of the modernists to uh, mess things up, they will be uh, 
you know, taken off the uh, taken off the board, as it were. Uh, and so, sooner or later, we will again have a, a a leadership in the church that's completely confident in the faith and wants to uh, wants to evangelize. Can the world be at peace without the role? You're telling me the world can never be at peace without the role of the church, basically. Do you know how many millions of people disagree with you uh, and with me as well, (laughs) Charles? How how do you evangelize with these people? What do you tell them? How do you convince them? Well, of course, you have to start with where you are. In other words, you and I and everybody we know know people. Now, and you may you you grow up in a certain area, or you go to work among certain people. You have relatives; they're the ones you have to start with. And the thing about evangelization is that first and foremost, it's got to be motivated for, by love. By love. And why? What does this mean? Well, if they are not if they if they're not brought into the family of faith, they're in danger of going to hell. <laughs> it's it's really quite simple. We're talking about the salvation of souls. So, if you love people, you want to save them. If they were starving, you'd feed them. Yeah. If they were thirsty, you'd give them to drink. To drink. Matthew well, twenty-five. Their souls are starving. Their souls are thirsty. They may not realize it. They may push the food away. But you've got to be ready to provide it for them. And to do that, to love to love them as you should, you've also got to know them. And that, incidentally, is why, just in parentheses, why it is that uh, most of the best ethnographic museums around the world have been done by missionaries, because a good missionary learns about his people. It's great that you're reminding the people about this. I want to also give you an opportunity that it seems that many of us Christians, we have a responsibility towards unity as well, right? Protestants, evangelicals, Catholics, Orthodox, all these Christians. Division is horrible inside the Christianity. And well, it, and, go ahead. And the division, the division itself, I mean, looking with the question of the Protestants, it's on one level it's more difficult because, you know, if you can't agree on the Bible, you can't agree on the Virgin Mary, you can't agree on this, you can't agree on that. It's very hard. With the Orthodox, it's particularly painful because we have so much in common with them. And one of the, one of the differences between heresy, as with the Protestants, and schism, as with the Orthodox, is that in, with a heresy, although the individual may be wrong, he thinks he's going for God's truth. But when you have a schism, either or both sides are simply out for themselves for their own pride and power. Can Christianity reconcile, Charles? We, we have a few minutes. I want to give you opportunity to, to, to respond to these main key questions, and I pray we'll have you again on the show um, uh, in the future. Can Christian, is Christianity sure. able to reconcile? Is America able to reconcile? Is Europe able to reconcile? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, depends. it depends to a great degree, degree on faithful Christians, particularly faithful Catholics on our prayers and our work to a very great degree. Um, We're seeing some, I think, hopeful signs in Central Europe, in Poland and Hungary and elsewhere. We'll see if anything comes of them, but they're hopeful signs. Uh, But it's not over until it's over. I mean, when Northern Europe was being lost to the Protestant revolt, Latin America was opened up to the faith. 
the graces that don't go in one place will go somewhere else. The trick, though, is for each of us to do as much as we can to live the faith, to spread the faith, to be examples for the faith in whatever sphere we find ourselves in. You're speaking about spreading the truth to defeat the lies. You're speaking about being love while the world is preaching hate. You're speaking about standing for God and with God to confirm the good nature of God in a world that's accusing God of all evil things, right? Precisely right. I couldn't have said it better. That's exactly right. It is, this is what we're called on to do. But you see, that was the way it was when the church began. What did our Lord say to the first apostles and disciples? I send you out as lambs among wolves. wolves. And he did. And they went over the known world. The twelve apostles and the various of the disciples went all over the place. Only St. James the last stayed in uh, in Jerusalem. Everyone else, I mean, St. James the Great went to Spain. St. Thomas went to India. Uh, St. Andrew went off to Asia Minor and the Balkans and the Crimea. All, all to I mean, spread they, the they, good they, news, basically. And, and this they, is the time of the good news spread between now and Pentecost. Um, exactly. Charles, I really appreciate your help, your support. I want us to pray together at the end of the show, uh, telling the Lord, day by day we bless you, Lord. We praise your name forever. Keep us today, Lord, from all sin. Have mercy on us, Lord. Have mercy. You are our hope, and we shall never hope in vain. Amen. Thanks for joining us today for Good Sunday Morning with Father Andre. Father Andre and his team rely on your prayers and generosity to help feed over 5,000 families in Lebanon every month. Go to missionofhopeandmercy.org to learn more. Your support helps buy supplies from local farms and factories, employ truckers to ship the food, all to let these families know they are not forgotten. Go to missionofhopeandmercy.org and donate today. And join us next week at 6 a.m. for Good Sunday Morning with Father Andre.